From Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. In the NFL playoffs, some weeks are about domination, but some weeks are about survival. So when two highly favored teams in the AFC survive, the question becomes now, who can we trust moving forward? It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, and your smart speakers. All you got to do is tell them to play ESPN Radio. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, HD. I have been waiting all morning, man. I have been excited all morning because one thing I know is that for the next three hours, we're going to be taking people to church. It was a wild weekend in the NFL, my friend. And I'm sitting here looking at a, a weekend where the Bills find a way to beat the Dolphins and where the Bengals find a way to beat the Ravens. And I'm looking at both of them saying, man, on Friday, those games look like blowouts to me. I don't know who I can trust anymore. Ooh, for me, when I look at the AFC right now, and I look at the, uh, the two teams that played yesterday, the Cincinnati Bengals, the Buffalo Bills, and then you also have to throw into the equation the Kansas City Chiefs, who now have the one seed and had a bye week this weekend. Now, I said before this week that I thought the you know Cincinnati Bengals were the best team in the AFC. And I understand Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes, and he has Andy Reid, and you know he 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 also has a, a nice offensive coordinator that's going to get a lot of you know head coaching um, interviews this cycle, in Eric Bieniemy. But I'm going to stick to what I what originally said. I think it's the Cincinnati Bengals, and we got to remember when you're playing a division opponent three times, as such as you know the Cincinnati, Cincinnati Bengals did yesterday playing the Baltimore Ravens, and especially in the AFC North, that division. And when I played football, whenever we played an AFC uh, North opponent, I used to do an extra day of lifting because I knew that game was going to be physical <laughs> and I had to be on point and I was going to get hit pretty damn hard. But seeing that game last night in the manner that it was, it's just a good old-fashioned old, old AFC North uh, slugfest. And that's what it was in the Cincinnati Bengals uh, through two turnovers. The interception that Tyler Huntley had the first the, in, early in the game resulted in a touchdown um, from, from the Cincinnati Bengals. And also he had that fumble on the quarterback sneak. I still question that call. He had a, he had a, he had a fumble there that was returned by Sam Hubbard, Cincinnati kid, for a touchdown. So 14 points right there off of the turnovers of the Baltimore Ravens, just versus three that the Ravens got from Hayden Hurst. Now, in saying that, also look at the defenses, right? The defenses in the AFC are the defenses between the three, the three teams that I mentioned. And I don't think the Cincinnati Bengals are going to face another front seven the way they face in the Baltimore Ravens. You talk about Calais uh, uh, Campbell. You talk about Bowser. You talk about Patrick Queen, Roquan Smith, who they just gave $100 million to. You talk about Oway. And then you look at the secondary to back end when you have a Marcus Peters, a Marlon Humphrey, uh, a Marcus Williams in which they brought over in free agency, along with the rookie that they drafted this year as well. So when I look at that defense of the Baltimore Ravens and the way they rally to the football, and then also Mike McDonald, the defensive coordinator, said, you know what, we're going to keep everything in front of us. We're not going to let Cincinnati get the big play because that's what they harp on. That's why I'm taking the Cincinnati Bengals still because I don't know if I trust a defensive coordinator of the Cincinnati Bengals and, and um, Steve Spagnuolo to, to not put his defense in positions to get eight up playing man coverage. So here's what blew my mind because uh, I love everything you're saying. And I think one of the most important things about this weekend was a the theme of familiarity, right? The fact yep. that these teams have played each other does play into the fact that they're going to play each other again. 
what was surprising to me is, and and we were group texting for you know peek behind the fourth wall. We got a group text and we're constantly talking about this stuff. What what was surprising to me was that it didn't feel like the Bengals were ever ready to veer. Like once you knew what the what the Ravens were doing defensively, it didn't feel like there there was an adjustment that ever came. And that's what I kept waiting for. I kept waiting for something to change in the passing game. I kept waiting for something to change to force the ball into better positions for your playmakers. And it just felt like it was never there. Like Cincinnati's offense just felt a little out of rhythm the whole time once which I'll accept at the beginning of the game by the end of the game I'm like man y'all know what you're seeing now like do better be better where's the creativity I wasn't watching that offense feeling like it was really maximizing its potential against that and I know a lot of that's the defense I just expected some counter punch at some point well here's what we got to understand about the Cincinnati Bengals and them off from an offensive standpoint you're not going to get a lot of creativity because the simple fact you have a Jamar Chase that can win one-on-one. You have a mm. D. Higgins that can win one-on-one. You have a Tyler Boyd that can win one-on-one. Oh, you have point. Joe Mixon. You have, you know, some RGP Ryan. So when you have players that can win their one-on-one matchups frequently and, and, and often, you don't have to be creative so much because those guys can make plays, you know, when they're double covered, when they're one-on-one, and they go up and take the ball off a defender's head. So that's the situation they're in. I think what the problems that they had last night was protecting Joe Burrow. And I'm trying to see, he was sacked four times, and I think the Baltimore Ravens had eight quarterback hits. So, of course, mm. it's going to be difficult. And we're not even talking about the times that we've seen Joe Burrow be elusive, right? Escape pressure. And I love the way he has two, keeps two hands on the ball while he's in the pocket. Very beneficial for a guy like Joe Burrow, who got sacked the way he did last year. And the offensive line up until this point has been phenomenal. But they weren't yesterday. They mixed it. They're missing uh, Alex Kappa. Jonah Williams goes out. Not like Jonah Williams has been phenomenal this year. They're also missing Lyle Collins. At some point, he'll be back. But I think they're also missing guys. But the reason why I can't count them out is because we have seen this story already before. Yeah, that- we've seen the we've seen the, the Cincinnati Bengals win games a year ago in, in playoff fashion. With not without uh, protecting the quarterback. That's the part that blows my mind because you're so right. When their offensive line is getting beat. I just automatically think, eh, it's Joe Burrow. He'll figure it out because of last year. Like, usually that's the thing that kills you. But uh, Joe Burrow even talked about it in the press conference afterwards uh, where he talked about the Bengals' offensive line and their depth being tested. We have a lot of faith in in those guys. You know, Max stepped up today. Akeem stepped up today. And then Jackson stepped up when he got his got in there You know, after Jonah got hurt. So we have a lot of faith in those guys. They're going to get their job done. Yeah, by stepped up, he means like stepped around and stepped past and stepped forward, like stepped on. I mean, I love the concept and I love the fact that Joe Burrow is not the type to ever throw anybody under the bus in this situation. But man, it it was reminiscent of last year in that sense. And it felt like the Ravens came out prepared defensively for everything. Like this, this is going to be one of those, I think, losses that really haunts Baltimore for a minute, Harry, because you're going to keep looking at it thinking what might have been if you had been fully stocked offensively. Well, when you look at what transpired last night between the Bengals and Ravens game, you you got to ask yourself, what other front seven in the AFC is like what, you know, the Cincinnati Bengals just seen from Baltimore? And I don't know if you can name anybody. Now, you, you look at the Kansas City G- Chiefs, and they have Chris Jones, who's a first-team All-Pro and was phenomenal this season. They got the rookie in George Khalifas, who, who has six sacks this year. Chris Jones was just amazing, double-digit sacks. But I, I don't know if I can just sit here and say that the, the, the Kansas City Chiefs and their defense, especially their front seven, is like the Baltimore Ravens. And then you look at the back end on the guys that they have on the back end from the cornerback position and safety position – I don't think you can sit up here and say that as well because that's normally the Baltimore Ravens are a team that like to play a lot of man coverage. And even their defensive coordinator, Mike McDonald, said, you know what, we have to alter a few things that we do. 
because of who we're playing against. Now, if the Kansas City Chiefs and the, the Cincinnati Bengals match up, can Steve Spagnolia, can he switch some things around? Like we seen Week Martindale do against the Minnesota Vikings. I don't, I don't know if he's going to change what he does. I think they're going to normally play the man coverage across the board like they like to do. And if Joe Burrow sees that, the Cincinnati Bengals and their skill position groups, they're going to eat that up all day. What about the Jags? Because like, for all this conversation we're having about Sunday action, let's remember the Jags did the unthinkable, but unthinkable to some. Some of us on this show might have dabbled a little bit when that uh, when that line got dirty, nasty early on where it was suddenly Chargers by 17 and a half. I was like, no, nah, I'm putting some money down on that. So, uh, yep. you know, I, I, look, I thought the Jags would come back and make it a game, but the Jags now have to go to Kansas City after a huge comeback that I think really showed us a lot about Trevor Lawrence, right? So for all this trust conversation, Kansas City gets a matchup against an offense that has shown you that they can score in bunches no matter how ma- how far down you got them. And the Jacksonville can get themselves right back into a game. Bro, here's another chess piece for the defensive coordinator at Kansas City and Steve Spagnolia. Is he going to play zone coverage and try to keep everything in front of him like we actually seen early on from the Chargers, right, when they were getting those interceptions from Trevor Lawrence? Or is he going to play man coverage across the board in which Trevor Lawrence uh, is second in the National Football League versus man coverage? And you see Zay Jones and Marvin Jones and Kristen Kirk and Evan Ingram and those guys uh, win their one-on-one matchups across the board uh, this season on a consistent basis. Are you going to test that group? Uh, like you've been the, the entire season playing that man coverage. Are you going to change some things up? That's all I'm saying. Yeah, much like we saw, and I think they did a great job on the TV broadcast to saying this. It was apparent that Baltimore was going to be comfortable giving Cincinnati the 20 to the 20. And then what are you going to do in the red zone, right? Like, it will be interesting to see if Kansas City approaches Jacksonville the same way. Congratulations to the Jags on the impossible win there. And as we break down everything that happened over the course of the weekend and what we saw, particularly, there's one NFL quarterback that, frankly, I am done giving any benefit of the doubt to. We'll talk about it next based on his performance this weekend. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the SiriusXM app. And the pass to Gesicki is incomplete. A turnover on down. All that matters is surviving and advancing. It doesn't matter how we win, it's if we win. And uh, proud of our guys for playing the way they did. At the end of the day, he turned the ball over. He died normally a, a pretty quick death. And uh, not very good company. But... Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Trail by three. Back to pass. Has time. It gets it off. And it is incomplete. Turnover on down. Heartbroken for the guys because they didn't want their season to end and did everything they could. And you can't expect to win like that, so some stuff to clean up. At the end of the day, you turn the ball over, you die normally a, a pretty quick death. It doesn't matter how we win, it's if we win. And proud of our guys for playing the way they did. Buffalo Bills Radio Network that you heard there. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Josh Allen just said, it's not about how it looks. It's just that you win. And I understand that statement. But hear me out. If Josh Allen had a big old star on the side of his helmet, if Josh Allen was the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys today, on first take, the lead would be you can't trust Josh Allen to win a Super Bowl because of his turnovers. Maybe 
it's time that we start having a real conversation about a quarterback that is this year right now not named Dak, Dak Prescott still being reckless with the football, Harry. Ooh. This is a this is a this is a this is a give and take one because when I look at Josh Allen, don't you don't you don't you don't you walk this he back does, up? He he does a lot of he does a lot of phenomenal things on the football field, but I look at a game like yesterday when you're playing the Miami Dolphins in the first round of the playoffs in the wild card weekend and you're at home and you know you don't want to give them any sorts of life because if you do, you know that's going to keep them in the game. That's exactly what happened. Uh, the first interception by Josh Allen. I think he was trying to throw the ball to John Brown on a, like a pylon route. Now, John Brown kind of stopped a little bit, but still, I didn't. it was a situation where I didn't think, you know, Josh Allen should have thrown that football at that moment. And the Dolphins go down, they score three points. And then you get the interception right before halftime. You're trying to throw the ball to, you know, Cole Beasley, who's now rejoined the Buffalo Bills. And right before halftime, the Miami Dolphins go down, they score a touchdown to Mike Gusecki in the end zone. But then you come right out of halftime and you have the fumble by Josh Allen because he was caught off guard by the blitz. And that's why I thought the Miami Dolphins should have blitzed a lot more on first down versus, you know, positions and moments where the, the, the Bills offense and Ken Dorsey knew the blitz were coming. Because So you can catch, kind of catch them off guard. So Josh Allen fumbles the football, gets returned for a touchdown for the Miami Dolphins, and they're in the football game. So Josh Allen deserves all the, the, you know, the criticism that he's getting this morning but I will also say this, though, Fitz. It's the three to four or five plays that he does make throughout a football game that actually helps his football team win. And, you, win. and you've seen that yesterday. You've seen that on uh, multiple occasions throughout the regular season. But I will say this. If he thinks he's going to turn the football over three times versus Cincinnati Bengals and they're not going to capitalize and they're, they're going to win that football game He's going to be in for a rude awakening. He can't turn the football over like, over like that against Cincinnati. It, there's a fine line. And, of course, the uh, if you're watching us on ESPN+, Plus, because we're pretty, they got a nice graphic up there that shows at least seven sacks and two interceptions in a playoff game. When that's happened in history, Josh Allen became the first one to win that. And the seven sacks are damning. Here's the problem for me. If, if anybody remembers taking driver's ed, when, when you're in driver's ed, they always teach you don't overcorrect, right? Like, so if mm-hmm. you start to steer one way, don't don't yank the wheel too hard the other way, you're going to flip your car. Sometimes I think we overcorrect in the way that we view athletes. So because so many people were out on Josh Allen early and then Josh Allen grew into a superstar, now it's impossible to judge him for who he is today because it's like, well, we were wrong once, we don't want to be wrong twice. And it just feels like there's this bubble insulating Josh Allen. I, I agree with you 100% that the two or three plays he makes – are epic, and they win football games. And also, by the way, I think he's one of the five best quarterbacks in the NFL, clearly. That being said, I shouldn't be looking at somebody that's been in the NFL as long as he is saying, why in the hell did you throw that football? And you and I have <laughs> talked about it. There's been a few times this year. This isn't one game. Like, if this was one game, you throw your hands up, you say, yeah, it happens. This is not the first time this year that we've come together after a weekend of football and said, man, Josh Allen is tempting the fate of the football gods. Like, it feels like it's an issue. And for whatever reason, we just don't talk about it the same we talk about it with Dak. Well, no, because we look at the arm strength, the arm talent, and the, and the wild throws that he do make that, you know, allows him to win football games, and rightfully so, because Josh Allen is a, is a different type of quarterback who can utilize his legs and run game, and I look at that third down call when it was like third and seven, third and eight, and, you, you, and 
the broadcasters even said, hey, Josh Allen basically said in this moment, hey, I want to be the Michael Jordan. I'm Superman. Put the ball in my hands. And he went and picked up a first down. So he's different in a lot of those regards and the throws that he can make. And I I look at the cover two hole shot that he threw threw to um, Gabe Davis on what we call a deep bench route, which is a like 18 to 20 yard out route. And the ball placement and the velocity on the football allowed the coverage and the safety not to get over and make that play. You look at all those intangibles and all those things and you say, you know what, can we live with the mistakes? But I will say this, moving forward, you can make that against the Miami Dolphins that has a third string quarterback um, and win that football game. You, you can't do those same things against, you know, a, a Kansas City Chiefs, a Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, I mean, or, they got the Bengals this weekend. Like, that's like a Madden game. You got to get touch, You got to get touchdowns and you got to force field goals if you want a chance. To, you're right. Against the Bengals, you turn the ball over like that, you're going to get crushed. No, because Joe Burrow's on the opposite side. Now, I will tell you this. I am concerned about their offense and defensive line. Well, you talk about an offensive line that gave up six sacks and Josh Allen was hit 13 times by the Miami defense. Those are some question marks. Mm-hmm. That's something that we aren't talking about. I also think it's a testament when you don't have that brutal type running back that you can grind out when you're up 17 to nothing. I think that plays a lot of uh, factors into a lot of things from an offensive standpoint with Ken Dorsey. I think they're really hurting in those regards as well because if they have a, you know, a prominent running back that can get those tough yardage and you can just grind out, that comeback for the Miami Dolphins probably don't even come. But they need to be committed to the run and stay consistent with it throughout football games as well. Yeah, it's a there's a fine line, and I want everybody to hear nuance because that's something we like to do on this show, right? Like not everything has to be particularly hot or cold. It doesn't have to be yep. black or white. There's middle ground on this. I can acknowledge the greatness of Josh Allen. I can acknowledge the fact that the entire world is rooting for the Buffalo Bills this year, and I can acknowledge that I think it's an incredible story if Josh Allen can be the guy that takes them over the hump and gets them to a Super Bowl, Harry. Like, I love every ounce of that, but at the same time, Super Bowl is the key word here because the Bills are built in a way now where we constantly talk about how close they get and how every single year they've lost one of those, oh my God, how did that happen games. When I factor what I've seen in those playoff losses with what I saw yesterday, my biggest fear in the world is that Josh Allen will make a dumb play in a game that comes down to the oh my God classic finish. That one little turnover could be the difference between being Super Bowl champions, getting to the Super Bowl, being the savior of Buffalo for this whole season, or sitting there watching the Super Bowl at home with your family. And that's that's the line we now need to be judging Josh Allen on because there's been too much success to continually fall short. Well, I'll say this. When you have a guy like Josh Allen and you're teetering a a thin line because you don't want to have a conversation with him to where you don't want him to utilize his God-given abilities. But at the same time, he does need to protect the football a lot more and not be so careless. And I think he understands that. I just think the way he plays the game of football, man, is uh, he has that gunslinger mentality. And he feels like, you know, I can still overcome those things in those situations and put my team in a position, you know, to be successful. But what he has to understand when you do those things versus a Patrick Mahomes, when you do those things versus a Joe Burrow, it's not going to be, you know, your mindset that you can – you know, counter things and make things right. It's going to be you're going home, like you just mentioned, and it's going to be a loss. I just think it's a it's a it's a it's a fine line of trying to get him to understand it, but you still want him to go out there and be Josh Allen as yeah. well. Yeah, and this is also a fine line too. Something we're going to talk a lot about today is coaching and the fact that coaching matters. 
You can't tell me that not having Dable there as the offensive coordinator isn't making a dramatic difference to Josh Allen, to the play calling, to the entire offensive skill set. Like it is just a it it is a wild difference. As much as Ken Dorsey at times has had really nice uh, moments this year as their offensive coordinator. Uh, there's still room to grow for quarterback and for OC. Fitz and Harry is presented by Progressive Insurance. Looking for a career path with flexibility and great pay and benefits? Go to Progressive.com slash careers and apply today. I think we all agree that uh, most of the legacy here is about to come up as we will get Bengals taking on the Bills this weekend in a game that for both teams will be a bit of a prove-it moment to show that they are bigger and better than they showed last weekend over the course of the weekend. Both of them got significant wins but it's also fair to turn around and say, okay, you got that win. What does it mean moving forward? From Danny Dimes to Danny Dollars. We're going to break that down next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. If there has ever been an example of how much coaching matters in the NFL. Jones rolls left, throws left, wide open for the touchdown is Bellinger. It is Daniel Jones with Brian Dable. The New York Giants are on to Philadelphia to take on the Eagles. Look, Daniel, I've said it all year. He's been good for us, continues to be good for us. Uh, as the leader of our football team, I'm proud of him. All hail the New York Giants. New York Giants! They could go really far, and this was no fluke. From Danny Dimes to Danny Dollars, the most dominant four-quarter performance by any quarterback the quarter over the course of this weekend belonged to somebody that came in with everything to prove. That's Daniel Jones and the New York Football Giants. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. What are we doing here, Harry? Like, Harry Douglas, I'm Jason Fitz. Oh, I'm joining you. I got this. I'm swaggy, too. Like, uh, so I, I love this song, man. This is a song by Bankroll Fresh. Uh, an Atlanta artist here who passed away. Um, so rest in peace to Bankroll Fresh. But I always love this song because when, you know, I used to play and we used to go to people's home field, you know, and beat them. I used to love bumping this in the locker room. Walk in your trap and take over your trap. Walk on your field, take over your field. That's what the, you know, New York football Giants got, did yesterday. Do we, do we have, do we have, uh, we, 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 we got some bars here, there, Harry Douglas? We're going to, we're going to start. We're gonna... Not today, not today. Okay, not well, today. I'm just saying, like, maybe, like, I'll build a little track and we let uh, HD go off. Like, we, we make a little, like, <laughs> HD track. Like, we can do an anti charger track. We can do, like, a battle track with the Chargers after they, uh, they ran Ooh. their mouth too early over the course of the weekend. This track. <laughs> big facts. Big facts. Big facts. Uh, big facts that Daniel Jones went off. And, and when I say went off, Went off 24 35, 301 yards, uh, two touchdowns in the air. Obviously, it was a huge, huge game for him. That was just the air portion of it, also. 17 rushes, 78 yards. I mean, you are talking about, in my mind, front to back, from the start to the finish of a football game. I don't think any quarterback had a more dominant performance over the course of the weekend than Daniel Jones. And my guy had all the pressure in the world, all the reasons to not step up. And all he did was go out there and sing. Like, he just showed the world, give me Danny Dollars, not Danny Dimes. Yeah, I will say this, Fitz. When I look at a guy like Daniel Jones, he was the best quarterback in the National Football League uh, this entire weekend. When, it, when you talk about quarterbacks uh, from the quarterback position, and I can't help but sit here and, 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 and praise the confidence that this young man went into his first playoff game and had uh, going to Minnesota. 
And that's a testament to Brian Dable, his head coach, but also a testament to Daniel Jones saying that, you know what, I had this new head coach that came in and he instilled the confidence in me. He believed in me 110%. And so did other players on this football team, uh, my, my teammates. The confidence that he was walking around with yesterday at the line of scrimmage and you know, changing plays and delivering the football from the pocket and the quick decisions, not sitting back there holding the football saying, should I run, should I force it, should I throw it? No, the quick decisions to when it wasn't there to tuck the football and run to the point to where he rushed for 78 yards yesterday on 17 carries and he rushed for seven first downs. Mm. I think that was one of the things that was a, a huge difference in that game yesterday. But Daniel Jones has been phenomenal this entire year rushing the football. He's, he's had over seven 700 yards uh, rushing the football this season. And now it's to the point to where you look at Brian Dable and what he was with Josh Allen and how Josh Allen and his game emerged. And now you see him with a guy like Daniel Jones, who's similar to Josh Allen, doesn't have all the, you know, the God-given ability, uh, talent or the, the attributes that Josh Allen has, but he has some similar qualities. And you see how this New York football Giants football team performed this season when they were down wide receivers, but also they had Saquon Barkley in the backfield. But Daniel Jones wasn't the reason why, you know, they lost games. And I go back to early in the year when he threw an interception and Brian Dable sat there and chewed him out, right? He gave him that tough love. And that meant everything to Daniel Jones, I'm pretty sure, at that moment because it showed him and it showed Brian Dable was basically showing everybody, like, listen, what transpired before I got here is not going to be the case in 2022 slash 2023. Uh, but, but I got to commend Daniel Jones because he made some money yesterday because he was way better in my eyes than Kirk Cousins. No, oh, I mean, if you're right now, if you're Daniel Jones, who, by the way, is saying all the right things. Daniel Jones, after the game, said this about uh, the coaching staff and getting them ready. Found some stuff that uh, works for us, so uh, we'll keep doing it. Uh, I thought the coaching staff did a great job having us prepared and having uh, you know, a lot of stuff in the plan. It speaks to the fact that, Harry, you were just talking about the coaching staff and you gave Dable a lot of credit. And when you start thinking about Dable getting that credit for the development, it becomes interesting because Danny Dimes about to get paid. We all know that. But there's going to be a real conversation for the organization, for the quarterback, about how much of the success is one versus the other versus the two of them together versus, you know, what what the Giants are putting around him. Like, there isn't an easy answer here. But in my mind, if anyone's sitting here saying that Daniel Jones should take a discount to stay with the Giants, I don't see it. Like, Daniel Jones has proven to the world that he can be an, a, a very, very good quarterback. And he, he played yesterday like the best quarterback of the course of the weekend. If I got that on my resume, I want to get that bag following it. Yeah, I understand that, but it's also a case of we've seen how he has performed without Brian Dable and the coaches that he had before Dable got to New York. We also have seen this season and in the playoffs how he has performed with Brian Dable as his head coach. And Coach Dable has put Daniel Jones in in positions to be successful. He has played 100% to his strengths and never towards his weaknesses. And that's one of the things that his previous head coaches and offensive coordinators have done. And we also got to give uh, Mike Kefka, the offensive coordinator for the Giants, a lot of credit too yeah. because he's the guy that is also instilling that confidence and calling these plays and build, building Daniel Jones uh, up. But also at the same time, you know, utilizing Saquon Barkley the right the right way. Saquon Barkley had over 50 yards receiving yesterday and made some key, you know, third down catches uh, when they were warranted. 
But I think if, if you're Daniel Jones, you're looking at this, I wouldn't mind personally, I'm just saying my, me hypothetically, I, I wouldn't mind personally taking a little bit less to stay in New York and being in the offense with Kefka or being with head coach Brian Dable, knowing that, you know, these guys has put, have put me in a, in a position to be successful and also go out there and see how much money I can get. Uh, it's wild to me, though, because I could take the other side of it and really feel like if I'm Daniel Jones, I'm looking around saying, well, the organization tried to absolutely rip me apart. They gave me bad coaches, and they made me look like I was less than capable. Now I've got a coaching staff that is capable, and as a result, I look capable. Maybe I could do that with any organization. So, like, it'll no, no, be no. – Nope, 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 nope. I'm not going to let you do that because every organization isn't capable. Because well, if every, every organization was – they would be able to contend for a Super Bowl. But they, not would, every, they wouldn't be in some of the positions that they have been in over the years. But not every organization is incapable either. I mean, the Giants managed to finally find a coach that can't take advantage of their talent, right? Like, what's well, so, to so say now we that somebody count, else can't So do now that? we got to count how many orga- organizations are capable, and then the ones that are capable, do they already have their quarterback? But a year ago— here? I think a, the list is very minimized to, you know, coaches and teams that are capable. Would you have put, either they would, already have their quarterback or— you know, they're already having success. But would you have put the Giants on that list a year ago? None of us no. would have. And now we will. So that's my but, whole but, point. Is but, like, but see, that's Even what I'm if saying, the organization has been capable. Fits. Things change. Right. So and when he goes to free agency, a, why can't things change in an incapable organization where he's suddenly like, yeah, I believe yeah. that I can be part of what moves this organization forward. Like, just like he has been with the Giants. Like, things change for the Giants. But, things but can that's change my point, for though, anybody. Fitz, when you look at the organizations, how many organizations are things going to change? Okay, let's just say hypothetically, you talk about the Indianapolis Colts. We don't know. We don't even know who the hell that coach is going to be. But we'll continue this conversation because uh, there are obviously two sides to the what to do for Daniel Jones conversation. You guys can also chime in. Triple eight, say ESPN eight 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 seven two nine three seven seven six. That's coming up. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Lift every boy. Jalen Hurts, Philadelphia Eagles. Dr. Martin Luther King stood for so much. He stood for resilience, he stood for perseverance, he stood for pride, I mean, he stood for justice and and making a difference for the whole entire world, changing the dynamic of of how this world is operated. Um, So much love for him and everything that he's done to impact my nation. Continuing the celebration of Dr. King weekend on ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Do you feel like you have an elite quarterback? I know we have an elite quarterback. I think he's shown that multiple times. But we also got amazing players around him, too. So we got his back no matter what. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Jason Fitz, Harry Douglas, Daniel Jones was getting it done. Getting it done, brought to you by Granger with supplies and solutions for every industry. Granger has the right product for you. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Look, we were just having this debate and it it becomes a great question. What do you do with Daniel Jones? Because like, here's, here's the thing that I'm not willing to presume Harry. All right. Mm -hmm. I, I agree totally that there has been a special sauce, right? A special sauce of uh, Brian Dable and the giants coaching staff and Daniel Jones. I believe that, but I'll go back to like my music groups for a minute. I always tell people if I'd ever been in a bluegrass band, people would have walked by and they'd have been like, that's the worst fiddle player ever I've ever heard in my life. Cause system matters and I can't play bluegrass. 
But if I was in like a pop country or rock country band, I was one of the best at that. I was very proud of my work in that. So if I've been in a system for years where they're making me play junky music that I'm no good at, and now finally they let me do what I do, I'm not going to turn around and just credit the people that are coming in and let me do what I do. I'm also going to discredit the people that didn't let me do what I do, which is the previous coaching staff. And I'm also going to look around the music landscape if I'm a free agent and be like, well, what other bands can I do this in? Like, I think there's a moment of we are simply presuming that there's nobody else in the NFL that can see the skills of Daniel Jones and make it work. Like, that is such a slap in the face to who Daniel Jones is. Like, it only takes one other team that thinks that they've got the right system in place that he's comfortable with their coaching staff and all of a sudden he's going to get paid like a top five six guy i like that you said it only takes one other team that thinks they have the right system because see joe judge thought he had the right system the coach previously joe judge thought he had the right system and jason garrett they thought they had the right system for daniel jones but they didn't see brian dable knew he had the right system for daniel jones because brian dable knew that he had the right system For who? Josh Allen, who's a similar quarterback to Daniel Jones. Now, don't get me wrong. There's some intangibles that are different. But Brian Dable knew his system could work for a quarterback like Daniel Jones. So what did he start to implement um, in the past game? Get the ball out quicker. Let's let's not have Daniel Jones sit here and just hold the football early and often to where the the turnovers come, the fumbles from being sacked, the forcing the football down the field. Also, Brian Dable, when he was with, you know, the Buffalo Bills, they didn't run the football consistently. That was a thing now when he's with the New York football giants. They, they basically made a plan around Daniel Jones. How can we make this quarterback better? So he's a strong point for, 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 for our team versus the weakest link on our team. So I got to give a lot of credit, yes, to that coaching staff and specifically Brian Dable for coming in and not thinking – that he had the right system, but knowing Fitz that he had the right system for Daniel Jones. Yeah, but but what about the possibility that maybe everybody else be before him was just bad at this? Like, there's this moment. Look, if you'd only watch, you'd be surprised. The ten years I played in the National Football League, you'd be surprised how many coaches are bad at what they do, I, but they get jobs because this person is their friend. That person hired them way back when. You'd be very surprised. Trust I, I'm, me. I'm, and I'm not only because having worked here, the one like the athletes that I trust that I work with. The number of times I've heard the coaching is in some situations terrible in the NFL, right? Like, so I keep thinking about that. Like, look, it, it, you know, my Raiders fandom, everybody knows my Raiders fandom. If you had only watched Derek Carr this year, you would probably think he's not a very good quarterback. But we've also seen years where Derek Carr looked great. Why? System matters, right? So yep. in, in my mind, we are sitting here saying, well, Dayball has found the the special sauce. Well, what if the special sauce is actually pretty easy to find it's just the last couple of guys were incompetent coaches when it came to doing that right like so that's the I, I don't want to call anybody personally incompetent just saying that they did a particularly bad job like if I'm if well, I'm I, today, I put it like this a lot of these coaches let their pride get in the way of what's best for the team because you have a lot of coaches that say you know what this is my system this is what I run and that quarterback might not fit that trust me I, I went through that situation my first year in Tennessee uh when we had Marcus Mariota, and I don't mind saying the name, Ken Wizard Hunt, it was that, you know, Chargers at the time, San Diego, that system that Phillip Rivers ran, uh, which, which more so went towards a veteran quarterback. And Marcus Mariota came from Oregon to where they're running the spread, they're going fast, they're using tempo, he likes to get the ball out of his hands, and that's not what we did, right, to the point to where Ken Wizard Hunt got let go before the year was even over with. Because a lot of things didn't tailor towards Marcus Mariota and his skill set. 
So it's more so for me a pride thing with these coaches. And that's why I was so proud of the defensive coordinator for the Giants and Wink Martindale because what is his MO? Blitz and playing man coverage, that whole nine. He went into that game yesterday versus the Minnesota Vikings and said, you know what, I'm going to put my pride to the side. And I'm going to do what's best for our defense so Justin Jefferson doesn't get off. And next thing you know, we lose this football game because Justin Jefferson has 200 plus. It's all about coaches being able to set their pride aside and allowing to, uh, to put these players in positions for they can be successful uh, versus just saying, this is my system and this is how we're going to do things. If Daniel Jones, he's Harry Douglas, I'm Jason Fitz, Fitz and Harry. If Daniel Jones hits the open market, by the time he hits the open market, these coaching vacancies will have been filled. And all I keep thinking, and maybe this is recency bias, but I keep thinking about the difference we saw this year in Trevor Lawrence and the difference we saw this year in Daniel Jones and the difference we saw this year, frankly, in Tua, right? Like, that's three examples, three different examples of coaches that came in and immediately took situations that looked unstable and made them stable by being great at their job. You're right. We don't know whoever's going to end up being the coach, for example, of the Colts. We don't know how that's going to play out. We don't know who's going to be the the coach of some of these bad teams, right? But there Mm -hmm. is, at least in my mind, the conversation that the person that comes in, if they are as skillful as a Mike McDaniel, if they are as skillful as a a Dable, and that's what what Daniel Jones will have to figure out in the free agency process. Like, he's going to have to talk to these guys and figure out, like, can this person, does this person get me? I just don't, I think it's a little unfair to Daniel Jones to presume that no one else gets him and he gives too much of the credit to Dable. I think if you mix the credit 50-50. That's not what I'm saying either. I'm not saying that no one else in the National Football League, you know, coaching-wise can figure out Daniel Jones and put him in in a position to be successful. I just don't think you can just sit up here and name 10 people. That's my thing. Like, you have to be, you know, careful when you're going out and saying, you know what, I know this guy can potentially, or, or saying I think this guy could potentially, you know, build an offense around me versus knowing Doug Peterson, he altered some things when he went to Jacksonville with Trevor Lawrence. He altered some things in his system, and that's a guy who won a Super Bowl when he was the, with the Philadelphia Eagles. You look at Brian Dable. He's been around the block. He's coached with Nick Saban. He's coached with Bill Belichick and all these other guys. And then Mike McDaniel, he was a, he's been with Kyle Shanahan for the longest more so than anybody. In a world where the 11th best quarterback next year is set to make $32 million, Daniel Jones is going to get wild money. That's all I'm saying. Oh, yeah. No, Uh, I agree with you. I agree. You know, and good for him, by the way. If I'm a Giants fan today, I don't care about any of that. Go pay that man. He just won a playoff game. The Giants aren't the only team at a quarterback crossroads. We'll tell you about the the latest drama next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast.